MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, January 28th, 2021. Today, the Department of Homeland Security National Terrorist Advisory System has issued a warning about domestic violent extremism. President Biden signs executive orders on climate crisis, and Tony Blinken gives his first press conference as Secretary of State from Foggy Bottom. Kevin McCarthy snuck down to Florida to meet with the former president as his self-styled office of the former president is being built. Mitch McConnell bristles in a mean tweet about Senate rules. Marjorie Taylor Greene goes largely unpunished and a mysterious meeting at the Trump International Hotel the day before the attack on the Capitol comes into focus. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Dana, we both have raspy voices today. We do. <laughs> I don't know what happened right before we're going to start. I just I had a coughing fit and then I was like, this better stop by the time we hit record. And it seems to have. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I, I think it's the weather like these weird Santa Anas and then rainstorms and then Santa Anas, like it just messes up my whole face. And I, I, I disagree. <laughs> messes up my face and it's freezing. I know that it, I'm such a spoiled Californian now. I mean, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I had snow, we had a winter and it hit 55 degrees. And I was like, why don't I have a fireplace? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of installing one. Like I, I got to make this happen. <laughs> um, I can't do well that. I live in an apartment building. My name, my uh, landlord would be like, um, I think we need to talk. I think we need to talk. Oh, just make a, f- just get one of those, um, you know, those little portable fire pits and just put it in the middle of your living room. I'm sure it's safe. Oh, uh, there you go. Totally, totally safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we've got a great show. I'm going to be talking to Olivia Troy. You know, she was former um, senior advisor, Department of Homeland yes. Security, to former Vice President Mike Pence, whistleblower. Um, she was on the task force, the COVID task force, and I'm I'm basically asking her how she feels it's going, like what to see all of the things that she wanted to get done, like a, a racial equity task force in the COVID task force, uh, having an, uh, a, a, a sign language interpreter, ASL interpreter at all of the um, briefings, to have briefings uh, with doctors in them. I, you know, she, we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about what's going on with Dr. Deborah Burks, who seems to be, a, she's on a rehab tour. She was super sycophantic with, with Trump, as everyone was. But, uh, and she's t- going on this tour talking about how Trump had his own data that that no real doctor gave him. It was all from like Scott Atlas and stuff. And everyone is screaming, like, why didn't you speak up before? But it seems like we've got a good cop, bad cop, right? Everyone loves Fauci. Nobody's yelling at Fauci for not speaking totally. up. Totally. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I brought it up a while back. Like, I was angry that Fauci was, you know, didn't quit and just tell the whole truth. And everyone's like, well, he's just trying to hang on to his job. You know, he's trying to stay in his job so he can save lives as best he can. Uh, and, and, but no one's, uh, no one's giving that same uh, courtesy to Dr. Burks. And I'm, I just, it's an interesting differential. I agree. Yep. And I'm not sure because it's, it's, well, 
I mean, we it, it may be misogyny in a very strange way, thinking, you know, you were, I don't know, we, I think we see women sometimes as a, like protective, you were supposed to warn us, you were supposed to tell us. And sometimes men, we give that passive, like, they're just dopey. They didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that's what's playing out with this. But I feel that way, too. I love Dr. Fauci. I do not like Dr. Burks. And so it's an interesting... I agree. It's an interesting dynamic. But not because she's a woman. Not because she's a woman. Like, I I don't like her because I, I, I just don't like the way she handled herself during the... It's hard because they were both muzzled. I don't know, IG. It's difficult, mm-hmm. but some people just rub you the wrong way, and it doesn't have to do with gender. It's weird, right? It's like, so Olivia and I are going to dive in and try to talk about that. She does talk about how that there were actually intentional hit pieces put out about her, and um, we uh, the way that we think about her might be by design. So uh, we'll, we'll see. It. You know, We'll see what happens. But we do have a lot of news to get to, so let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. You know, I'm, I'm going to get so much email about all the evil things Dr. Burks has done. And I know I want you to know that I know I just think it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic um, that I don't I don't want you to think that I'm not familiar with some of the stuff that she talked about. And Olivia right. and I will discuss it, too. There's also I think there's also a difference between not being able to speak up and actively supporting some of the lies. Um, anyway, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what listeners have to say, but uh, I know you got a lot of a lot of news to cover, so let, let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Lead story today comes from the Department of Homeland Security. Using a federal system designed to warn all Americans about terrorist threats to the U.S. homeland, the Department of Homeland Security has issued a warning that anger fueled by false narratives, especially unfounded claims about the 2020 presidential election, could lead some inside the country to launch attacks in the coming weeks. Quote, information suggests that some ideologically motivated violent extremists with objections to the exercise of governmental authority in the presidential transition, as well as other perceived grievances fueled by false narratives, could continue to mobilize to incite or commit violence. This is according to the bulletin issued Wednesday through the DHS National Terrorist Advisory System, or NTAS. NTAS. Uh, The system was last used uh, a year ago when DHS issued a bulletin over potential retaliation by Iran for U.S. the the assassination of um, Soleimani in Iraq uh, days earlier. And a year before that, they issued a bulletin through the same system to highlight the threat from foreign terrorist group like ISIS or Al Qaeda. And McCabe was on CNN just now saying, I think this is the first time one of these terror, because we used to have the threat color system, you know? Mm -hmm, Right. And this, this replaced that the NTAS replaced that. And McCabe says, this is, he thinks the first time he's ever seen it for domestic terrorism. Um, Because over the past year, domestic terrorists motivated by a range of issues, quote unquote, including anger over COVID-19 restrictions, the 2020 election results and police use of force have plotted on occasion and on occasion carried out attacks against government facilities and longstanding racial and ethnic tension, including opposition to immigration, has driven domestic terrorist attacks. Uh, That goes on to say DHS is concerned these same drivers of violence will remain through early 2021 and some domestic terrorists may be emboldened by the January 6th, 2021 breach of the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. to target elected officials and government facilities. And Dana, that's why you and I called it called it a win, even though they didn't get anything they wanted. They did. It's a huge recruiting tool. Absolutely. And the other thing, now that this has come out from this, uh, the DHS, the National Terrorist Advisory System, anyone like Rand Paul or any other government official that is continuing to add to these false claims of election fraud, they need to be seen 
as part of this domestic terrorism attack. If you know that this is what is fueling this possible violent insurrection in this country and you continue to regurgitate these false claims, you are now part of it. And you should be, there should be legal. Yep. They'll blame impeachment and Democrats. Of course. Somehow. For not uni- for not unifying, right? Although uh, there was a really great discussion on MSNBC today. I don't see any Republicans unifying with Joe Biden on his executive orders. No. And you know what? I voted for Hillary Clinton. And I, I don't know who you voted for. I think in the general, you probably did as well. I don't remember getting a phone call trying to figure out how to reach me and figure out why I'm upset. I don't remember, you know, Republicans saying that we need to unify with Democrats and not do, you know, a Muslim ban. I mean, come on. The hypocrisy is maddening it's stunning there's a lot of hypocrisy in today's show that should be the title um and yes i did vote for hillary clinton um now we're learning about a meeting now that took place at trump the trump international hotel in dc the night before the attack on the capitol according to seth abramson sleuth extraordinaire here i encourage you to read his piece in substack on this attendees of this meeting include don jr kim guilfoyle eric trump rudy giuliani tommy tuberville Pete Navarro. Is it Tuberville or Tuberville? Tommy Fuckface. Yeah, Tommy Fuckface it is. All right. A guy named Herbster. That's a Nebraska Republican. Lewandowski. Bossy. Both those are former uh, Trump campaign people. Uh, Ali Alexander. That's that organizer who said he worked with Gozer and Biggs and uh, who was the third? Bobert, I think. Um Piper, a guy named Piper, and Mike Flynn was there. A guy named Beck was there. And of course, the My Pillow guy. How can you have a meeting without, without the My Pillow guy? Absolutely. Uh, no one saw Trump there, but he may have attended by speakerphone or maybe he avoided it for plausible deniability reasons. I don't know. Usually he does that. Yeah, he yeah, he kind of stays out of it. Like the, the, this just reminds me of the, the 2016 June Trump Tower meeting. Of course. I, I'm part of me is like, Stop meeting at Trump properties. Like, how stupid are you? <laughs> like, go to some place that doesn't have a Trump name on it. Apparently, during the meeting, they talked about how they couldn't be seen meeting at the White House, how that would be bad. Of course. Uh, so, yeah. So we're going to meet at Trump International Hotel. All right. Good. Yeah. Good call. Good plan. Um, <laughs> quoting Seth Abramson here, Nebraska Republican Charles Herbster made a Facebook post detailing the meeting, a post that looks forward with anger and trepidation to the upcoming January 6th certification of Biden's electoral victory and has since been hidden. The post has since been hidden and reposted, along with all photos of the Trump family on Herbster's Facebook account posted from December 2020 through January 2021. The Nebraska Republican writes of the battle and blood that in the past have been required to protect our way of life, quote unquote, as well as his own decision, quote, not to choose the easy path, but instead fight the widespread voter fraud that happened on November 3rd. Uh, Herbster is, according to Seth Abramson, as of January 26th, not yet speaking to the media about January 5th, nor about Senator Toot Fuckface's uh, contrary account to the events uh, of that evening in D.C. So we'll keep an eye on this story. Um, anytime Seth Abramson uh, posts about a meeting with in, in a Trump property, it's important. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> There's going to be more on that coming out. I'm sure of it. Uh, this next one, we've got President Biden on Wednesday signed a sweeping series of executive orders that aim to confront the existential threat of climate change throughout the federal government, framing them as an economic boom uh, that would create millions of new jobs. 
uh, and, and quote, we've already waited too long to deal with this climate crisis. We can't wait any longer, uh, Mr. Biden said, speaking at the White House. We see it with our own eyes. We feel it. We know it in our bones, and it's time to act. So looking to counteract Republican claims his climate policies would hurt an economy already weakened by the pandemic, the president cast many of his orders as job creators, among other things pledging to use the purchasing power of the federal government to buy a vast fleet of zero-emissions vehicles. Quote, this will mean one million new jobs in American automobile industry, Woo-hoo. said um, President Biden. Yes. Wednesday's executive orders also set broad new foreign policy goals, including specifying that climate change for the first time will be core for the first time, AG, will be a core part of all foreign policy and national security decisions. It's shocking that it took this long. The executive orders direct the Interior Department to, quote, to pause in entering into new oil and natural gas leases on public lands and offshore waters to the largest extent possible while beginning a rigorous review of all existing fossil fuel leases and permitting practices. And this is according to a fact sheet provided by the White House. I'm sorry, a fact sheet that actually has facts? What? Mm. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't even know that it was okay to drill for oil and natural gas on public lands. I didn't know that that... I, I, I guess I knew, and I just... I, I, we tried to think that can't be true. It's true. Right. Yeah. yeah and, and then Trump opened it up to the Alaska Reserve, you know, just yeah. wildlife reserve. Like, oh, man, just absolutely. They put a dingo in charge of a baby at the EPA, and now we're done with that era, and I'm Ate so it. happy about it. He ate it. Federal agencies uh, will also be ordered to eliminate fossil fuel subsidies and identify new opportunities to spur innovation, overhauling the tax breaks worth billions of dollars to oil, coal, and gas industries uh, to help pay Mr. Biden's $2 trillion climate change plan was also a major campaign promise. However, there is little the executive branch can do unilaterally, of course, without action from Congress. So there's going to be a fight there, but this isn't going to go away. And it is one of the most important issues of our lifetime at this point. This We're destroying the planet. Yeah. And we might have a sneaky way around the filibuster, too. Uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Because in a stunning display of hypocrisy, the elusive Mitch McConnell tweeted today, Today, uh, wait, today I made clear that if Democrats ever attack key Senate rules, it would drain the consent and comity out of the institution. A scorched earth Senate would hardly be able to function. It wouldn't be a progressive stream. It would be a nightmare. I guarantee it. Um, <laughs> I gotta tell you, wow. Yeah. That is some intense hypocrisy coming from the guy who wouldn't do a hearing on Merrick Garland, Obama's nominee for the Supreme Court, who shoved Amy Coney Barrett into the Supreme Court in eight days, you know, just ahead of an election. Like, fuck you with this. I'm like, what does McConnell do at home? Like, I do feel like, you know how QAnon thinks that Democrats are like eating babies and drinking their blood or whatever? I feel like it's possible that that's what Mitch McConnell does at home. Like, just a nice glass of, you know, O positive, is O positive a blood type, of 
<laughs> it's just he's just a horrible human being yeah yeah but this is a pretty big bat signal right that schumer is oh, probably yeah. thinking about not only using budget rec- reconciliation to circumvent the filibuster but as as he talked about on maddow earlier this week perhaps he's considering changing budget reconciliation rules now budget reconciliation is a process you can invoke to to do something to get a bill passed that has to do with the budget right money right. taxes uh and it can't go over 10 years and it uh, it can't cost more than 1.5 tr- uh, trillion i think over 10 years something like that the now the tax plan by the republicans was passed using reconciliation and it has cost 1.9 trillion dollars so it's already violated a rule uh, of budget reconciliation but they did the republicans did that to get around the filibuster and right. i think Chuck Schumer is actually, uh, and this, that's probably what will happen with the coronavirus relief plan. Honestly, that's what will happen with, the, I think, the yeah. American Rescue Pact. I think you're right. I know you put your beans on that. I agree. Because we don't have even the Democratic votes to nuke the filibuster <laughs> right now. Um, that could change. That's a static situation. That's not a static situation. That, that could change. But uh, it's important to note that Schumer talked about changing the budget reconciliation rules to not have to have anything to do with money so that he could pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act using budget reconciliation. He can change those rules. And I think that his he's seriously considering it. And that's what prompted this Mitch McConnell tweet. Right. Uh, and speaking of hypocritical assholes, Republican minority, Republican minority leader Kevin McCarthy, who first condemned Trump for inciting the insurrection but then changed his mind, has gone down to Florida to meet with the former president at his office of the former president. I swear to God, he's like playing president like a five-year-old would. This is, this is my desk and my very own uh, f- former president seal uh, I sign things with sharpies I make many phone calls and have many meetings uh, this rendezvous which was first reported by Punchbowl News I love that comes as McCarthy attempts to manage simmering tensions within the House GOP caucus amid the fallout after the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol and Trump's ensuing impeachment for his role in, in the mayhem so we'll see what McCarthy comes back with and how the Republicans are going to move forward uh, seems like it's going to be likely with Trump at the helm. Oh, I'm so disgusted. They look like they were going to distance themselves and now they're just crawling back. It's embarrassing. Uh, you know what? But like you said before, let him destroy the party. They deserve it at this point. They truly do. Uh, other people that are destroying the party. Here's a really good one. Marjorie Taylor Greene that, and I use this nutcase by definition, like DSM-5, she's diagnosable, uh, openly supported and spread conspiracy theories for years. Yet her Northwest Georgia district elected her to Congress by a wide margin. And AG, just a note on there, because I was pretty shocked by that. She didn't have anyone running against her, uh, which is one of the reasons the DNC could not get a good candidate after QAnon had pushed out a candidate uh, that was literally, uh, it put his wife and daughter in danger and he had to move. So uh, saying that she was elected, I think is a little bit, Generous. Now, in office for a little over three weeks, she's facing a second round of calls for her resignation after a string of reports revealed her repeated endorsements of political violence and extremism. Now, the latest revelations include videos in which Green parrots bogus claims by suggesting that the mass shooting in Las Vegas and Parkland, Florida, we all remember that very, very well, Parkland, Florida was staged. She says it was staged. It was, a, it was a false flag, a Facebook post that expressed support for a dangerous conspiracy theory about child abuse and a pattern of online activity approving the execution of Democratic leaders and federal agents. This was all before she was elected. So several prominent Democrats and activist groups 
are arguing that Green should resign or be removed from elected office, and a small group of GOP lawmakers have also criticized her after her posts and comments resurfaced. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, according to Axios, plans to have a conversation with Green, who has dismissed the denunciations as attempts to cancel her. Now, one of these that's going around, she is literally following uh, David, uh, what is David's last name, A.G.? David Hogg, on the street before she was elected because he's going to meet with the Senate about how basically the Stoneman Dudless uh, shooting, like I said, never happened, how he's using the youth to make money. This poor kid was hiding in a fucking closet two weeks before or under a desk, and this woman has the audacity to harass him on the street. So that's what's going around right now. So not only is she remaining in Congress, but she's been seated on the Education and Labor Committee in the House, Allison. I don't, this I don't get at all. Uh, even Steve King had his committee ships taken away for his extremist views. Uh, and we, we got rid of Al Franken, a wonderful senator, because he grabbed somebody's boobs as a joke. And, you know, and he may not I'm even not have cont- hand. I uh, know, I agree. And we, that picture has never even proven that his hand was actually touching her. It, you know, right. so it, I hear you. It's infuriating. And and here we have somebody who's chasing children around um, who had just almost died in, in, in a school shooting and is going to talk to the Senate, like you said. And she's she's harassing him on the street. And it's all over the place. So I hope that there's enough pressure. I mean, I, I said it before. We really need to be careful about who's getting into Congress. And if there is a seat that is uncontested in your district and you see this happening put your and you always want to put your your name in the hat i think by the time that they threatened that guy to leave it was too late for anyone to actually join the race uh but yeah 100 percent. i just mean in general there's yeah. seats in, in texas that have been uncontested for years because they don't think a democrat can take it and we've been we've shown over the last cycle that that is just not true anymore so let's just let's just fix this let's get some people in there that need to be in there and get these these wackos these wackadoodles out of out of congress agreed yeah and later in a private conference call mccarthy told republicans to stop attacking each other he's like cut that crap out that's his uh that's his ingenious way to whip the party so right cool cut that crap out because they're going after liz cheney because she right you know voted for yeah because mm-hmm. she has a spine yeah, and right. actually cares about the constitution what i know it's cool it's crazy uh everybody we'll be right back we're going to talk to olivia troy about the uh, new coronavirus task force how that's going vaccinations and um some of the glaring differences that she sees between this administration and the previous one so stick around we'll be right back after these messages we'll be right back hey everybody it's ag for the daily beans Healthy snacks have a bad reputation because, let's be honest, most of them don't taste very good, they don't fill you up, they don't satisfy those cravings. Uh, But today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Monk Pack. They've cracked the code when it comes to making snacks that taste amazing but have close to no sugar. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars. They contain less than one gram of sugar. They have two to three grams of net carbs per bar, and they're only 150 calories. So they're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle, and they're the perfect snack for anyone who wants to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. They are delicious. Uh, I 
I've been trying to eat better, I get tripped up by snacks. And so that's why these are perfect. Since I've had the Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars, it's helped. They have the perfect balance of sweet and salty for that craving. They got the crunch from the whole nuts and seeds, and they're soft and chewy still somehow. They're amazing. They're delicious. And they have delicious flavors, too, like pecan almond, sea salt dark chocolate, and peanut butter dark chocolate. My favorite right now is the sea salt dark chocolate. It's so delicious. It always hits the spot. Since they're packed with protein, they're filling, and they're satisfying. So it's a perfect quick snack to indulge a sweet tooth without any guilt. And in addition to being keto-friendly, they're also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO. And they have no soy, no trans fats, sugar, alcohols, or artificial colors. So enjoy Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars uh, while working. I put one in my little backpack thing when I go on my runs. They're delicious. Try it for yourself and you'll see. We'll have a special deal for listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DAILYBEANS at checkout. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product. Then enter the code DAILYBEANS at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, good food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am honored to be joined today by a former senior advisor to former Vice President Pence for both Department of Homeland Security and the COVID Task Force, Olivia Troy. Olivia, how are you? Hi, Allison. Well, first, the honor is mine. I love the Daily Beans podcast and you know I track what you say on, on social media and stuff. So I'm doing okay. Like, I, it's a good day today. You know, I'm thinking about my former staff at DHS who can finally insert back the term climate change into national security strategies. I mean, that is a big deal for me because I remember my my team sitting there scratching out climate change and all the documents we had because it wasn't allowed to be in there. And that was early on in the Trump administration. So that was my, that's how that kicked off, right? So all in all, today, I'll take today as a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember having to do that. I remember we first got the the charge because even the Department of Veterans Affairs has um, information about climate change and we had to go and remove it all. And then they and then I think it was Kushner who came in and said, for every five policies you have, you have to get rid of two or, or three, something like that. Like we had to kill policies and we're like, we provide health care. What <laughs> what policies do you want to like like? leave policies like we I like I we it was that was just that was the order and we were like okay weird so everyone's probably putting those back together as we speak as well but yeah this this uh it's it's amazing how a climate change executive order to just put the term climate change back in government it's like and we're all celebrating that's where I am today Allison And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because I've been thinking about you a lot lately, because as I'm watching them sort of get their legs back under them on this task force and and the, the vaccine rollout and, and coronavirus, and they, they seem to be doing everything that you and I had previously spoken about that you were trying to get done. So first of all, they've got the, the person um, who's doing... Uh, who's in charge of uh, racial equity and COVID response, right? So that now they have an actual task, a team doing that. And um, I, I, and also they now have said that they're going to have an ASL interpreter at every single briefing. They've brought back briefings. Um, and I was wondering, as you watch this, how this is, how this is unfolding, what, what your thoughts are about it? I'm grateful. And it's such a relief to kind of see these actions finally start to be implemented and it's funny that you mentioned the sign language interpretation because I actually just finished watching the climate change briefing and I was watching the interpreter and I was actually thinking 
about that and thinking about how the fact that they have the interpreter there at all of the briefings and how great it is that they care about that, right? Because it's important for all Americans to be able to tune in and understand what's happening in our country, especially on important issues, especially on the pandemic, uh, which is why I, I, I couldn't get over the fact that somehow that was seen also I, I guarantee you after I kept raising the issue of needing an interpreter at some of the pandemic briefings with the VP, I guarantee you that people like Katie Miller walked away and made the comments to deep state, anything like that, that was counter to whatever they wanted to put me on the ass with them. So I was always walking this fine line of trying to push for actual things that mattered for the safety of Americans and trying not to get voted off the island where I would have no power to try to impact anything, right? Or be included in the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember when the last time we spoke, you were talking about how they they tokenized Jerome Adams and Ben Carson by seating them at a table at specific, in specific chairs. And that was their response to how COVID was ravaging through black and brown communities and underserved communities. That was their only response. And now we have a whole group of, of, of people that are responsible for working on that. Right. And that's critical because certainly the data that we have on COVID is there, right? It points to the fact that these minority communities have been some of the most impacted. And they're also some of the communities that are fearful of the vaccine too, right? So there, they, there's a lot of misinformation out there on the vaccine and th these communities are also the ones impacted. So I'm relieved to see that there's going to be a focus on messaging and outreach in terms of this pandemic response as well and, and recognizing racial disparities because that's something that really had no room for any attention under the Trump administration. Yeah, and add to that the fact that they're bringing back the COVID briefings. I think they're going to be doing three a week. When you, What was it? I can't even remember at the end of the Trump administration. Were they even doing briefings anymore? I remember they were doing them and then they would have the My Pillow guy do one, and then Scott Atlas would talk, I think, and then they just kind of stopped. And then, if I remember correctly, Trump wanted to bring them back, but he was just using them as 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 a campaign moment, like just to just to go on about about the the election. It, it, but it, it, now we have three a week; they're back. Right. I mean, traditionally, that is what happens during pandemics, right? Where the CDC will do briefings, where the public's getting the information they need. The top, you know, people at the top are communicating what's happening. It's informative for people to hear this, especially coming from the White House, right? To some, the, just the messaging of critical things and where we are on the vaccine distribution, where we are in terms of PPE, how every state is doing. I mean, just addressing things like that in a cohesive manner. And so you, you see the actual, you see this happen in the White House early on where, and I remember how stressful it was to prep for these briefings on a daily basis when the VP was actually getting out there. And you know, he was talking about facts for a while, but then unfortunately the president gets a little bit jealous. I don't know if you remember all that. And the reporting was actually accurate from the media where the president got pissed off because he felt like the VP was taking his thunder away. And it was too factually correct, right? I mean, it was taking away from the fact that the president was unhappy because we weren't downplaying the pandemic to the way that he wanted it to be played, right? So, I mean, <laughs> that kind of happens. And then you see the briefings, like you see the president come back in at the time, former president, 
and he wants to take over the briefings and that's how you end up in the bleach suggestion situation. The briefings go off the rails. And then, and then it becomes more of a campaign platform. So you have someone who's trying to convey serious information and then during the briefings, like you said, it'd be a sharp right turn into whatever platform they were trying to push that day instead of actual information, data, talking about what the next steps were going to be, talking about, you know, hang in there. I mean, right, there's no message of hope. There's no communication of like, you know, in three months, this number of the population will be vaccinated or we're looking for three months, we're going to have PPE to all the hospitals, hang in there. You know, I mean, it. that was never kind of what happened. No, it was always like, everything's tremendous. You have everything you need. I've sent it all out. Everything's wonderful. And it'll go away. It'll just like a miracle. It'll go away. That was kind of the way the briefings went. Yeah. I mean, while everyone's sitting in their living room, looking around at each other going, you know, they have nurses and doctors who are relatives and they're like, are you, you think everything's okay? Uh, And governors who are watching it, right. Trying to figure out how they're going to explain it to their states when they clearly know that things are not okay. I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's a brand new day and I actually, I think this is critical uh, to move forward in this manner because this is the only way uh, to get past this pandemic eventually. And, you know, the only unfortunate thing is that we wasted a, basically an entire year of of making an effort to, to get ahead of this and to stop it. And I can't tell you how... <laughs> how upsetting it is. And to, I mean, the the understanding that I have of how hard this will be for the Biden administration going forward. And it's not a legacy that they made, right? They're, it's a legacy of everything that happened before them. Yeah. And it's looking like from from the, the briefings that I'm watching that by summer, we we should all be inoculated. And so there you have it, six months from a hole coming out, digging out of a hole means we could have, if had the previous administration, you know, acted and acted fast, we could have eradicated it. We could be New Zealand. After it could have taken three months, and we wouldn't have, uh, we you know, we could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Um, so it is, it is a new day, and it's it's terrible that we had to start from so far behind. Like you said, we wasted a year, but um, it's getting done, right? <laughs> yes. So. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you uh, a little bit about what's going on with some of the folks um, from the previous task force, especially Dr. Burks and, and her appearance in the media uh, recently. So I, I, I have some questions about that. Will you stick around with me? I have to take a quick break. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. Everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp, providing professional counseling to help you navigate life's challenges. We all face challenges, difficulties, and stresses, but the important thing to remember is you don't have to face them alone. So if you're struggling with anything that's preventing you from living your best life, I recommend BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line or self-help. It's licensed professional therapy done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. I've had my own struggles dealing with PTS. I know how important it is to seek help rather than try to take everything on alone. BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide, and they have a broad range of experts in their network, a lot of which might not be locally available 
in your area. And that's the best thing about BetterHelp. You can log on for your account anytime from anywhere and message your counselor. And you get timely, thoughtful responses, and they'll get back to you as soon as possible. They're, they're so quick and just really incredible, really great people. Um, and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, too, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid's available. So visit their website, read testimonials like this one by BetterHelp user J.A., who says, I think Susan is a great listener and has a breadth of knowledge and experience that has proved to be invaluable to me. I appreciate her compassion and ability to guide me through some tough situations I've had to deal with. Overall, Susan is a great person, and I'm happy to have her in my life. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking with Olivia Troy. Uh, I am so thankful to, to have your ear today because I something's, bu- something's bothering me. And... You know, I watching Dr. Burks uh, give her interview and talk about how the president was receiving a parallel universe of data and it would make it into these slide decks and it wasn't coming from her. And and there was just seemed to be a lot of confusion and running back and forth and, you know, with with data. And I think maybe it was coming from Scott Atlas or, you know, some of these other um Tucker Carlson may have sent something in. Who knows where, you know, where where it was coming from. But everyone's sort of getting on Dr. Burks's case about where were you? Why didn't you say this? Why didn't you speak out? And I'm a little confused as to there were 20 people there that didn't speak out. And I'm wondering why this is all kind of coming down on her shoulder specifically. And it, it worked for me, too, all of the hit pieces in the media and and just watching her in those briefings because I'm I'm pro Fauci and I you know I I don't like Dr. Burks and so I'm just trying to figure out what that dynamic is why that is and and um because I know from speaking to you before like everyone was just trying to hang on to their jobs so that they could save people's lives right I mean is that kind of the, the atmosphere yeah and I think uh, that's what's so hard uh, when it comes to the doctors on the task force, right? Especially Dr. Burks, who I think um, for all of them, every day, it was like, is today the day that I'm going to be too aggressive, too forthcoming, uh, too honest, <laughs> right? Even in meetings, where is today the day where I get fired? Or is today the day where I'm going to get reprimanded and suffer the repercussions for whatever I said on the media or whatever show that they had booked them on, right? And so it's like walking around on hot coals every single day while actually trying to do your job and trying to figure out how you solve this crisis. And, and you know, I think that that is so distracting um, for all of us. It was just such a major distraction for all of us who were tasked with this enormous, you know, crisis before our hands to kind of it's hard to be working and giving everything, giving your all. And then in the back of your head, you're, or you're always, when, when you're always watching your back, you know what I mean? Because it's an additional layer of just stress on you where you can't just work as a team and you don't feel like you're all rowing in the same direction. And, you know, even when you make mistakes and there's transparency, that culture didn't exist. Right. It was more the culture of trying to survive so you don't get voted off. And also watching these people, these doctors, and I kept thinking, 
if let's say Dr. Burks gets fired, which she was probably the most likely one for them to be able to remove because she was the one sitting in the West Wing, right? She didn't have a home agency to go back to. She, you know, the rest of the doctors would come in for the one hour task force meeting or whatever, you know, berating that was happening in the Oval Office for whatever they said. And they would leave and they would have the agency behind them. They had their office to go back to. She was sitting in the West Wing. She was sitting in the hot seat with no office, with, with no agency behind her. Right? She didn't have an entire team there to have her back or even like check on her well-being. It was just really her navigating, kind of leading this task force. And so I only just say that because I think from my perspective, it's a very, it had to have been a very cumbersome sort of draining situation daily. And I certainly saw it take a toll on her uh, because I shared an office with her early on. Uh, And so I think with her, it's hard. I, I wonder, you know, I think the problem with her is that she was by de facto, other than the VP, the task force spokesperson, after Azar, well, quite bluntly, was pushed aside, right? Because he was actually the task force spokesperson in January. He was the one doing the briefings and talking. Um, and actually, he was very angry when the VP took over, right? He was furious and he was hurt. He had his feelings hurt. Um, and that's just how it goes. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Welcome to the White House. Yeah, just it, it, I can't even imagine like t- it's got to be impossible to do your job with confidence when you're questioning your own work product as to whether or not those facts will get you fired. It's like it's, it's what can you explain how this one man could inspire so much fear and chaos among uh, like adults with degrees, you know, and doctors, like how, how is that? It's just hard for me to understand, but he he did it everywhere he went, right? He was very successful at that. He did. And I think part of that is that he finds the enablers that are going to stick by him no matter what, right? Like his own immediate family and his own inner circle who no matter what will do his bidding unwaveringly. And then what happens is that these enablers sort of infiltrate the culture, right? And they create, they add to the culture, a fear because you watch what happens to others uh, when you do speak out or you step out of line. So, you know, in terms of Dr. Burks, I saw her, I have to say that it's complicated because I watched her give uh, extensive data briefings, right? And trying to push the data forward. And she certainly was very outspoken in task force meetings. Um, I saw her be very outspoken with the vice president and the vice president's team. She was very blunt with them um, at times. I saw her have a massive blowout with Jared Kushner. I witnessed that. So this is all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes on, you know, where the vaccine distributions were going or not, not really the vaccine, but more like the therapeutics or the testing sites was actually it and how she felt that what they were doing um, was detrimental to the response. But, but then she had to go out when they book her on shows early on and then I have seen that clip quite a bit where she talks about the data, right? And she talks about the president processing and understanding the data. And I remember cringing at those moments. Um, But like many, including the vice president, who bestow praise 
uh, I think that's sometimes how people, you, you know, try to save their jobs. And while they continue to try to hang in there, I guess is, is one way really to explain it. Yeah. And we, and we would see it across agencies, across government, cabinet members. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching cabinet meetings and they would just go around the table one at a time and talk about how, how much they loved, you know, Donald. Um, so it's just got to, just, it's just got to create this terrible work atmosphere. What a horrible place. Um, it, especially if you're just there hanging on, trying to hang on to your job so that you could save American lives. So it just had to be so hard. Right. Especially when you also have an environment where you have a president who's watching specific news networks and getting his information that way. And you have side load channels coming in, right? Like the Scott Atlases and for example, Steve Hilton, who is still out there attacking Dr. Fauci and spreading false narratives about COVID still today. And those are the voices that the president is listening to. So you have experts on this task force who were completely being undermined and discredited by these other individuals who weren't even sitting at the table at the task force, right? Until until eventually Scott Atlas does walk in and Dr. Burks pretty much gets pushed aside. So she decides that the only thing she can do to make a difference is hit the road to the States. Wow. Yeah. That's, and, and she did. I remember she went on tour and, and said, I, I got to get off, I got to get off t- television and out of this room and deliver data to, to people face to face. So anyway, thank you. I appreciate your time today. I want to continue this conversation on, an, on another time. We run out of time, but this is so fascinating to me, the, the inner kind of mechanics of what went on and and how everyone was just so muzzled and they're not now and that, that I think that that's just true across the board so I appreciate your time today I appreciate you I appreciate the work you did and, and I want to thank you for coming on thank you Allison all right everybody uh, stick around we're going to be right back with the good news hey everybody it's AG and this segment of the podcast is brought to you by American Giant back in the 1960s 95 percent of our clothing was made in the United States and today only three percent is Uh, Shopping locally was the norm. Now most of our stuff is made overseas. It feels kind of disposable, poorly made. And that's why right now is the perfect time to buy quality clothes made here. At American Giant, they want to make things better by making better things. And American Giant has a 100% USA-based supply chain. And they have strong relationships to factories and workers and communities at every step of the way. It's not the cheapest, but it makes for a better sweatshirt. And it's better for the planet. And it's better for the people. American Giant makes clothing that's durable, not disposable. And they're reclaiming the American tradition of making high-quality clothes that last so they don't end up in landfills because they're built to last i recently got the women's blizzard full zip it's a got weatherproof nylon shell for warmth it was so perfect for this cold weather and the wind i was snuggly i was warm it was amazing all you need is some bernie mittens you'd be perfect uh the best is that it was made in the usa and supported local communities and local workers so check out american giant get the best most high quality clothes on the market get 15 percent off your first order when you use promo code daily beans at american-giant.com that's 15 percent off when you use code daily beans at american-giant.com all right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Um, 
If you have any good news or confessions or corrections or you just want to send me pictures of your pod pets or your kids or your grandkids or your parents getting vaccines, whatever you want to send in to make us feel better, please do it. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. and We look forward to it. And, you know, tomorrow's Friday. We will have Amy's court. So if you have a dispute with a, with a loved one or a pet, we've had pet disputes uh, Amy will settle them in her courtroom. <laughs> the smallest bit of good news on my and my my dear sweet mother is fully vaccinated. She Yay. has gotten her second shot and she is good to go. She should have her antibodies in 10 to 12 days. <laughs> <laughs> she should have her antibodies in 10 to 12 days. You get, a, you get a little notification on your phone. Your antibodies have arrived. Yeah, bing, bing, bing. Your antibodies are here. You may now proceed outside the house. Um, that's so great. Congratulations. I'm glad. Thank you. Me too. I got to check on my madre. She's in Arizona, so it's probably all fakakta over there. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. First up from Kate, pronouns she and her. This is an update. Hello, Queens of the Beans. I had written previously to offer footage of the implosion of the former Trump Plaza Casino in Atlantic City, and I want to let you know that the date has been changed from January 29th to February 17th. We're still going to try to capture the experience to share with you, as long as we can do so safely. Attached is a photo of the return of my seven-year-old mini Steve Kornacki oh my from God. the night of the Georgia Senate runoffs. This kid has been obsessed with politics for years, and we watched MSNBC in horror as the violent insurrectionists stormed the Capitol. Later that very afternoon, I got to interrupt his online Hebrew school lessons to let him know that all his postcards had worked wonders and that John Ossoff had won and democracy won the day after all. Can't wait to watch the implosion, and I might have to make a Bernie Sanders mitten costume for the kid. <laughs> for the oh, occasion. Oh my goodness. Look at this sweet boy. Oh. He's got his tie. He's looking at the charts, the maps. Got the khakis on, the the Kornacki pants. The Kornacki khakis. The Kornacki khakis. Hey, why, they should sell Kornacki khakis. They, they should. They yeah. really should. Brooks Brothers, Gap get needs on to it. get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks Brothers, the Gap. Someone get on Kornacki khakis. Somebody do. And he's uh. He's watching the map show. It's adorable. All right. This one's from Melissa, pronoun she and her. Follow up from The Bar, as requested by DG. I'm going to go through your follow-up questions one by one. Uh, number one, where did she keep these bottles the whole time? Uh, kept away. Uh, they were packed away carefully in lined coolers in a storage area for my stuff. Not all of it survived as I was setting up the bar. I had to get rid of bottles that were cream-based or looked off. I think I tossed about 50 bottles at the end. Number two, is she going to charge a cover fee? The joke there, uh, the joke is that the cover is COVID vaccine with my coworkers. But the truth is I don't require guests to, quote, bring your own beer. Uh, as I have too many fridges full of them, I required you to bring your own mixed mixes and juices as they don't keep well in a bar used twice a year for big things. So if you want a specific mixed drink, bring mix yourself. Number three, two questions. What do the roommates think and have the roommates broken into the bottles? So my roommates slash tenants and house friends think it's a fascinating collection, but neither of them drink. Not for religious or medical reasons. They just don't like uh, the ethanol taste and they don't like the buzzed feeling. Uh, didn't know that before they moved in, but it's hilarious to me. I live with only two people I know who won't indulge themselves. I also go, I'm also going to add a few questions to the potential questions. <laughs> Number five, is it a constantly growing collection? My trend is for the more interesting bottles, the better. Attached, you'll find a picture of one is the shelf of my favorites discontinued brands. My most recent addition is a Dutch bottle of habanero malt liquor called Fuck Trump and His Stupid Fucking Wall. Nice. <laughs> 
Number six. No, the bar is not only part of the party basement and includes a dartboard, a pool table, ping pong table, one third of an acre of land and lots of spare beds for people to crash and no drinking and driving if I'm hosting. I'll be there immediately. Um, Number seven. Roxy, she, her is total bear is totally bear looking. She's also known as an anxiety dog because she was an abandoned roadside puppy. She has her own reindeer emotional support stuffy she takes with her everywhere. No photo yet. Sorry. Number eight. I forgot to include our other pod pet, Sally the cat. That's the second picture who must always be involved in your food, which she knows is not for her. Number nine, AG may not recall, but I sent her a gift once before. Um, I once sent her dish towels embroidered with MLK Jr. and AG quote on it, though how true they are still in, how true they are is still in question. AG, do you remember that? Yeah, she sent, uh, because the the MLK quote is the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And mine was the arc of justice is long, but it bends towards the Southern District of New York. And she embroidered those on dish towels for me. And I love them. That's fantastic. Number 10, we got circling back around once life gets back to a normal where parties can happen either or both of you are welcome to drop in if you're in my neck of the woods and I'll make you a drink. Just bring your own mixer. Number 11, I've attached a few more photos for you. My brother's Aussies, Nala left, Kima right, a toy Aussie named Milo I met at a farmer's market in the before times and a final photo of Sally yelling at her to give her attention. Look. Look at those tequila bottles and a baby kitty and the puppies and another puppy and strangers legs and some sandals and another kitty. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. I love these. These are so cute. The kitty at the end. Sally. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the update. That's impressive. Um, And next up, we have a submission from Mary. Pronouns she and her. I have two pieces of good news for this week. My first piece of good news is that we got three inches of snow this week. I've been trying to take pleasure in small things during the pandemic, which included sitting in my kitchen with a cup of tea watching snow fall outside. My second piece of good news is that my mom and her boyfriend decided to get some chickens this year. They're able to have chickens on their property in New Jersey, so they are now proud owners of roughly 12 hens and two turkeys. Wow. The hens have not only provided them with fresh eggs, but also with something Uh, to do during the pandemic, feeding them, collecting the eggs, etc. In lieu of pet tax, I wanted to pay you all a compliment. I enjoyed listening to your interview with Charlotte Clymer. Thanks for having her on the show. I now follow her on Twitter. I really love the guests you have on the podcast. They're all so articulate and brilliant. I feel 10% smarter listening to The Daily Beans. Thank you. All right. This next one's from Kai. Pronouns they, them. Hello. The Daily Beans is my main source of news, and I wanted you to know how important y'all have been to me over the past year, especially. AG and DG have such a knack for explaining some of the more convoluted legal issues at hand, and I always feel so much better after listening to your conversations with each other and with our guests. I have a small suggestion that I want to air in case any of your other listeners are similarly minded. I know that we've just made it through 2020 elections, and we all need some breath Uh, to breathe a sigh of relief, but I know in my soul that 2022 will be upon us in a blink and the stakes for the midterm will be really, really high. Losing even one seat, Warnock is already going to be up for re-election. We'll backslide us into the reign of turtle Dick Mitch. (laughs) While gaining a few extra seats in the House and the Senate would really provide a nice little cushion for the second half of Biden's first term. Unfortunately, historically, the party with the majority tends to lose seats in the midterm elections. I'm seeing whispers here and there of primary is beginning to heat up for a few key states already. There are at least four Republican senators whose terms are ending in 2022 
that are not seeking re-election. I wondered if you had any plans to reinstate the Flip It Blue segment anytime soon. I sure hope so. There'll be lots of progressives challenging long-held seats this time around, and knowing this community, there's a lot of good we could do to help them get elected. Keep up the good work over there, everyone. Thanks for everything you do. Tax attached. There is a picture of a adorable child. <laughs> Look at this baby. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. I, I think we need to keep our foot on the pedal. And um, when it comes to, to Warnock and... Uh, I, I mean, this is just where my beans are because I I have beans now. Um, Stacey Abrams has done so much work down there and is not stopping what she's doing that I think that she is going to keep that seat safe with the rest of the Georgia voters. I think they know the risk they are, and I think they have finally figured out that their vote really does count when they get out and vote. So that's where I'm hoping on that. However. You are absolutely right. Notoriously in the midterms, Democrats get lazy. We need to keep our foot on the pedal, get off our asses and make sure that we keep the House and the Senate. Yep. And we will probably have the flip it blue segment or keep it blue segment uh, on and um, definitely interview some of those candidates. I know we're trying to right now set up one with the guy who's going to be running against Jim Jordan. Good. So I'm very excited about that. Um, But yeah, uh, you know, while we do everything we can to, to hang on to the House and the Senate, I don't think ever has any majority party done that in the first midterm election. And so it's also of utmost importance that we get everything fucking done right the fuck now. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm hoping Schumer goes in and changes these reconciliation rules. But For sure. we definitely need to do the work, do the work and keep it. Next up from anonymous pronouns, she and her. Love to you, beans, queens. Thanks for all you do. Well, it's been a week since the inauguration, and I still feel as though I have an emotional hangover. I'm not much of a crier. In fact, one might say I'm emotionally constipated, but (laughs) I knew that January 20th was going to be different. In anticipation, I tried to get the day off work so I could wear my pearls and raise a glass of bubbly at 9 a.m. and ugly cry in front of from the comfort of my own home. Same. Same girl. Uh, As it turns out, I had to go into the office anyway. But that's okay. Because I work at a high school, administrator, not a teacher, and I really love my job. Instead of the nice champagne I have been saving in my fridge since New Year's Eve, I bought a bottle of fizzy apple juice to share with my coworkers. We toasted to the new administration and then proceeded to watch the rest of the ceremony. Just as Amanda Gorman was giving her beautiful recitation, one of the teachers walked into my office to watch, and together, yet socially distant, we cried our eyes out. Happy tears, sad tears, the floodgates of four years unleashed. My only sadness is that I couldn't hug her as we both shared a supremely cathartic moment from six feet away. A.G., I can see the head of the pod pet tax and I'm going to lose my shit. I know, I know. As pet tax, I'm hoping to be the first to send you pod goats. You are. (laughs) two guys keep me laughing with their antics while they help trim the verge uh, uh, around the property. Oh, the black and white one with the beautiful horns is Cosmo, and the white and black one is Buzz Buzz with a photobomb by Amelia Egghart. Oh my God. Our most adventurous chicken. <laughs> Look at these babies. Oh my God. That goat, the horns, they're beautiful. Yeah. I feel like he could like knock me down. Oh, knock you down. That thing would kill you. And look, he's got these cool, it's like a black goat with these little white, like, 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 uh, 
Pai Mei, you know, the cruel tutelage of Pai Mei from totally. Kill Bill, the kind, that kind of mustache going I kinda on. Wanna, I kind of want to like do a wax. I want to put wax in the mustache and curl it. I know that the it's owner probably. Wispy. I could just do a handlebar. Can, Anonymous, can we give the goats a handlebar mustache just for one picture? Okay. You could give him handlebar eyebrows too. Look, he's got those. Oh my God, they're so cute. You can do those to That's my amazing. eyebrows right now too. It's been a long time since I've taken <laughs> care of them. Okay. Thank you so much for that and those pod pet picks. I hope that, I don't think, is that our first goats? It might be our first goat. I think we've had some goats before. I know we've had some, definitely had goats on the, uh, on the happy hour, which is this Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific. And then you and I are doing the happy hour on stereo at 2 p.m. on Friday this week. Yes, next yes. week, we're going to change it to Thursday. Yes, we are. All right. This next one comes from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Quarantine confession. Hello, beanies. Hello, my darlings. Hello, my bean time gals. Uh, <laughs> hello, my beanies. Hello, my darling. Hello, my bean time gals. <laughs> I dearly love this podcast and have been listening since ye old kitchen days. I've listened as AG went through all kinds of difficult emotional events while still keeping her head held high, never wavering in her commitment to the podcast. Uh, that strength of characters inspired me to keep on going, even when things seemed hopeless or impossible. I can never thank you enough for your amazing work. And the Beans community is consistently the coolest, kindest, most supportive group I've ever known. And I think that speaks to the quality of the show that its community gathers together so many accomplished, witty, and talented fans. I'm completely in awe. Now, time for my serious face, trademarked. My confession. I sent in some good news a few weeks ago talking about a new podcast I was working on. I was so delighted for you to read it on the pod. I just have a teeny tiny bone to pick. I attached some pod pet pictures with my news. And look, I'm not saying my cats are the cutest cats and they're definitely not the smartest, but y'all didn't say anything about the pictures, which sent me into an existential crisis. Like maybe you were just crazy underwhelmed? Or maybe the cats were just sort of an affront to God and man and the human decency forbade you to speak of them? I know that y'all get so much joy from other people's pet pics, and so I guess my shallow little heart felt a little bit sad. So my confession is, I want you to love my cats. Will you pretty please love my cats? <laughs> They're Cowboy, the white one with the can on his head, Squish, the pizza-stealing gray tabby, and Cha-Cha, the white and gray Nicki Minaj stand. I love you guys to no end, and I'm thankful for the work you do. P.S. If my cats really are straight, just uggo. Please just lie to me. <laughs> C.W., the pick of Cha-Cha is a little cheeky. Now listen. I'm going to tell you right now, Anonymous, if I had seen these pictures, they would not have got a notice. There's a cat stealing a piece of pizza. There's another cat with a watering can on its head. And there's another cat basically looking at porn. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's, it's Anaconda. I know it's Mickey Minaj, but that is a, that is a good ass. So my, my assumption would be just like sometimes this happens, your pod pet pics did not come through or they got attached accidentally to another story. AG, I think you'd agree with that because I think we would both notice if these three cats came through our view. A hundred percent. I have never once ignored a pod pet, never once ignored a pod pet picture. And I would certainly not ignore these. And I'm not lying to make you feel better. The pizza stealing toad is killing me right now, this yes. cat stealing pizza. I mean, it is perfection. <laughs> the watering can on that. I want to know how that happened. Like, <laughs> did someone put it there and then take the picture anonymous? No, Was this you? No, here's what happened. Let me tell you from a cat lady's perspective what <laughs> happened. The cat stuck his head into the watering can to drink the water and then could not get it off his head. Oh my God, that's my assumption. That would be, yes. That's <laughs> why a lot of cats are like, paw in the glass because one time they did stick their head in the glass to get water and milk and their head got stuck and they're like never again so then they like paw in the glass lick their paw paw in the glass lick their paw mm. yep that's 
probably the smarter way to do it. But this is amazing. And now I hope you can hear the ad- the adoration and uh, just doting of these three kitties because they deserve it. So just go to bed tonight. Sleep peacefully knowing that your cats are loved by both DG and AG. And we're not just blowing smoke up your ass. They're adorable. 100%. Uh, all right. That's the show. Do you have anything before we get out of here? I know tomorrow we're going to be um, doing the happy hour for patrons at 4 p.m. Pacific. If you want to become a patron, you can do that at uh, at our website, dailybeanspod.com. That's also where you can send in your stuff. And um, then you and I are going to be doing the live stereo show on yeah. Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, so I hope everyone listen in, send questions. We have so much fun doing that. So please join us. And if you need to get on the stereo app, please do it. It's free. You can follow Allison at AG, Allison Gill, and I'm uh, DG Comedy, Dana Goldberg. You can put in either one and find us. Follow us. Join us for the conversation. We had a blast last week. Indeed. And everyone, until tomorrow, well, uh, you know, Dana, have a good weekend. Thank you. I'll miss you guys. Yeah. And everybody else, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>